0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of The Long Road to Ruin. I am your host, a mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattelage. We here on the Rattelage and Broadcasting Network are celebrating Cinderella Week. Yes, that icon of femininity and feminism. The princess du jour, the, the princess that launched a thousand little princesses in a little place called the Bibbidi-Bobbidi Boutique in in Disney World. Uh, So, yesterday, Robert Winfrey and I, we reviewed the new Cinderella 2015 live-action version. I hope you all uh, check that out. And tonight, here on The Long Road to Ruin, Sean Colmer and I are going to be looking at the animated classic, the 1950s from the golden age of Disney cinema, Cinderella, and the direct-to-video sequels. Dreams do come true, and a twist in time. And we're going to bring Sean out in just a moment. He also has a special guest that he has brought with him. But uh, I, your your host, have a special guest that I would like to bring on at this time. Uh, an expert in her own right in the realm of Disney princesses and uh, Disney animation, as it were. Ladies and gentlemen, my daughter, princess in her own right, where are you going you got yeah, no, no, come here, come here. You gotta, you gotta look. Here's the microphone. You gotta talk into it. If you sit down, no one's gonna hear you. Ladies and gentlemen, my daughter, Lillian Catherine Radley. How are you doing? Welcome to the show, Lily.
1: Hi.
0: You know, not to be all like Michael Jackson sad, but can you talk?
1: Mommy, dad, I mean daddy. Yes.
0: Say hello to the people, Lily.
1: Hi.
0: All right, Lily. So, yeah. we're here to talk about Cinderella. Okay, am I, am I too loud for you? I'm sorry. I, if I whisper, the people at home can't hear me. All right, <laughs> if you have to go project a little bit. If you whisper, no one's going to hear. So, can we talk? Can we can we talk in normal voice? Can yeah. we do that? Okay. So, Lily, tell me about Cinderella. Is she your favorite princess?
1: Yeah.
0: Why is Cinderella your favorite princess? no one can hear you
1: oh wait
0: (laughs) so can you repeat what you just said into the microphone why is Cinderella your favorite princess because she is my favorite princess I see Um, she is your favorite princess because she is your favorite princess Uh, what else about her do you like
1: Um, uh,
0: she's beautiful I see uh how do you think she stacks up with against some of the more modern princesses, say Elsa from Frozen? Elsa
2: from Frozen.
0: Yes. How do you feel she stacks up uh in terms of uh feminist qualities, in terms of uh do you think that Cinderella stands the test of time the way maybe Elsa does? Um how 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 do you feel they compare? <laughs> okay, uh, let's let's ha- how about this. Um, let, let let's dial. Let's go a few years back. How do you feel Cinderella compares to Ariel? I okay, who's great? Ariel. Ariel's great. I see. And how would you compare Cinderella to Ariel? I see. I see. I
1: see.
0: I see. Ariel with Cinderella is perfect. All right. Uh, go through some more notes here that I have. Uh, okay, so Cinderella has two direct-to-video sequels. Um, the first one is Dreams Come True. So let me ask you a question. Do you feel that maybe Disney was way too dependent on uh, the mice and not focused enough on Cinderella? Yeah. Okay. Why do you feel that way? Because it's different, I see. Okay, Lily. Uh My last question, uh, the third movie, uh, Cinderella, uh, a twist in time. Uh, it's a time travel tale. Uh, we have the stepmother who steals the wand from the fairy godmother, and she changes everything so that Anastasia is the one that marries the prince or attempts to marry the prince. Do you feel that uh, Disney is way too dependent on time travel in their stories, that, that, that uh, they really... Wrenched, uh, possibly even ruined a classic like Cinderella by messing with your origin. <laughs> okay. What, well, <laughs> can you stand up, please? Oh, I. Why do I have to sush? <laughs> All right, Lily. Well, Lily, you have been an outstanding guest, and we will bring you on again when we uh, would like to get the opinion of a four-year-old on a matter. So I'm going to give you a (laughs) kiss and wish you good night. All righty, folks. Oh, God. I need to talk to the booking agents. The guests on this show are getting ridiculous. (laughs) Anyway, let me me go ahead and bring on my co-host while I pour myself a shot of vodka. Ladies and gentlemen, that words with himself...
2: Yes,
0: please, go. we so like, okay? like. trying uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Mister is Sean
3: I don't always take breaks from playing Mass Effect, watching Hellraiser, and watching Markiplier Let's plays, But when I do, it is to watch stories about pretty, pretty princesses. <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> How's it going, Charlie? <laughs> uh, I'm doing fantastic. Um, it, Phoenix kind of jumped the gun a little bit on getting hot this week, but it's still—it's coming into that nice part of the evening, where it's after six, and I can put both my patio doors open and put my front door open, and it still manages to feel like golf weather. Yeah, um, Alexa, Alexa, uh, Alexa I met- right now.
0: I was talking to somebody at Jimboree the other day, and I uh, brought my son to Jimboory, and there was somebody that had moved down here from Indiana, and uh, they were like, "Oh, we were glad to leave all that snow and winter behind." And I'm like, "Yeah, Florida's already done with their winter. It, you know, it was all 30 days of it." Yeah, we've had we've, <laughs> we've had nothing but 80 degree
3: days like the past two weeks or so.
0: You
3: you guys have 30 days? I mean, I I get people all the time who always ask me, "Well, don't you ever get tired of?" Don't you ever get tired of just the same weather all the time? Don't you miss the change of seasons? I tell them, look, we have changing seasons. Okay, we have three months of summer and then nine months of spring. That's a change of seasons.
0: Yeah. Or, but, or, or, or,
3: yeah. or, or for that week in, or, or it's, for that week
0: in Florida where it's you know where it's below fifty degrees out, that's enough winter for me.
3: Yeah. Or, or as as would be equally appropriate in my case, it would be. We have, uh, from about fall up into May, we have, you know, hockey season. And then in April, so they can kind of phase in one as the other phases out, um, we have the Diamondbacks to take care of not hockey season. Um,
0: I want to move on with the show here, but I, I have to say this. You know, I have to pick my daughter up from school um, a couple of days a week when I'm not working, and th- she doesn't shut up. I'm d- I'm just saying. I mean, she's, she's just – Lily gets in the car, and from the moment the door shuts to, to the time we get to wherever it is we're going, all I hear is her voice. And so I'm like, oh, it'll be great to bring her on the podcast. And, and wouldn't you know, just like any other kid, you, you you give her an opportunity to speak in public, and she goes, mute.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. So here's somebody though that 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 is not mute. We have another guest. This one not four years old. Sean, take it away. Uh, You
3: know, folks, we try to cover a lot of genres on this show. We try to hit a little bit of everything with every franchise that we cover. But every so often, we come across one wherein I just have to admit, I'm pretty much out of my depth. I'm gonna. I'm not going to have enough material to fill about 90 minutes to two hours all by my lonesome. So in this case, I did something that I haven't really done on my end before, and that is I went out and I enlisted a little bit of help. I brought in somebody who's going to have a whole lot more to say about Cinderella and Disney and Western animation in general than I would in about three or four lifetimes. Um, I've known her for well over a decade, and... Let me tell you, folks, she knows animation of pretty much all shapes, sizes, and, form, and forms, and disciplines and whatnot about the way I know the ins and outs of the Mass Specs universe. So allow me to introduce this week's first-time special guest, and who knows, possibly recurring guest, uh, my good friend Alexis Hanna.
2: It's upper 30s and rainy here, so you guys could spare me on the whole nice weather thing, okay? We don't have that right now.
3: No, do you, you have a puppy though?
2: Okay, yes, that's true.
3: Where, where in thank the world you for that you? wonderful
2: introduction though. That was very nice.
0: <laughs> well wait, where in the world are you, Carmen San Diego?
2: <laughs> Kansas City, Missouri.
0: Oh, well that's the problem, see. You you you, yes, you, you move into the, <laughs> you, you live with the weather is where the weather is all kinds of cold, see, that's the problem.
2: Oh, it's not all kinds of cold. It's all kinds of crazy. We're the ones who created the phrase, don't like the weather, wait five minutes. Because it was like upper 70s and warm on Monday, and then we had two solid days of high winds, rain, cold. This is where Mother Nature gets her PMS. Yeah,
3: yeah. Basically, she just summed up all the reasons I left. Pretty much. Well, most of them, yeah.
0: Well, we're glad to have you on the show. Um, I know uh, normally, you know, I have people beating down my door to want to be, you know, they want to talk about this and they want to talk about that. I announced we were going to talk about Cinderella, and every male I know uh, on the internet or in real life ran screaming from <laughs> from this show. Uh, we, I, <laughs> I recorded a wrestling podcast with a group called the Casual Heroes, and when I announced that it was Cinderella week, the, you know, I was booing and hissing and You know, hitting me with virtual penises and saying we're men. Why do you do these things? It was a a terrible thing. But uh, so, but it's good to have somebody on the show that appreciates the the genre and can talk about it intelligently. Um, One of the reasons why I wanted to one of the reasons why I wanted to do this was uh, number one, we had to bump the crow for Benjamin Cologne. Hi Ben. Uh, But two, I like to do I like to do shows that coincide with what's happening out. Uh, in, in the real world of movies. And right now, uh, Disney is going through this period of remaking, rebooting, rehashing their uh, their animated classics and making them live action. So last year, they did Sleeping Beauty from the Villain's Perspective, and you can hear that in the archives of the Rattling and Broadcasting Network's 2014 summer blockbuster review of Maleficent. Smooth like butter plug right there. Anywho... Um, this year they they did Cinderella. Later on in the year they'll be Pan and Tim Burton. Because God hates me is doing Dumbo, um, and so you can see where, where the trends are going. So I wanted to uh, sort of use the synergy there of talking about the real life uh, live action Cinderella, I was talking about the animated classic. But the other thing was, I think uh, I no Sean and I were talking about this earlier. I don't know how many people have really sat and deconstructed the 1950s animated classic. And they just sort of take it on take it on, on its face that, you know, it's, as I said before, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but, but, really, but really, when th- people think about Disney princesses, Cinderella comes right to mind. She's, you know, she's who's got the castle in and, and, uh, Walt Disney. She's the one, you know, that um, you know, most of the girls... Uh, at least uh, for a certain amount of time, that's the one that they choose to be, the one that you know, the one that they buy the dress for, and all of that. But I don't think anyone has really actually looked at the character in the movie and, and thought about how they constructed this thing and how many problems it has. So, kind of a unique opportunity tonight to sit down and, and, and treat it as film, which, uh, as I said to Sean earlier today, I don't know if people bother to do, especially with the director video sequels. Go ahead, Sean. You were trying to butt in there. I was. Oh, okay. I thought somebody. I didn't was hear to anything. I apologize. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, let's. Um, I'm going to ask uh, Allison first, and I and I always like to uh, do this with Sean. But um, what is your relationship to uh, Cinderella? When did you first okay, see no, the movie? No,
3: not, not Now I will, but in wrong, occasionally mentioned female friend, that's Alexis. Sorry, Alexis.
2: Yeah, it's okay. I was going to say, like, wait, what did he just call me? No, it's okay. Um, I'll probably, probably if do if that the a, Really, But
1: terrible. if you'll please
2: repeat the question, because I was in, because when you were saying that, all I could think was, wait, what?
0: <laughs> sorry. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Alexis, right?
2: Thank you. Yes, that is my name.
0: Got it. Alexis, um, I always ask people, like, what is their relationship to the films that we're talking about? You know, when did they first see them? What You know, what were their first thoughts? Things like that. You know, how did they, be, how did, uh, they become sort of attached to the movies that we're discussing? And so I, that's what I throw to you. What is your relationship to
2: Cinderella? Well, you mentioned that a lot of little girls attach themselves to Cinderella, and I guess I'm kind of in a minority because... Growing up, I did not attach myself to Cinderella. I attached myself to Belle. I wanted to be Belle from Beauty and the Beast. I thought she was so much better. But I did still love Cinderella growing up, as I loved all the Disney princesses and all the Disney classic animated films. But I guess she just never stuck for me. And as I got older, I realized that was because she was grand. You know? And unfortunately, it's true that... Like I said, I liked Belle because she had characteristics and quirks, and she had an identity. Cinderella was very cookie-cutter and just kind of hard to form an attachment to. I, I hate to say it, every time I watched it, I could really care less about the scenes with Cinderella. I wanted to see the scenes with the mice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, funny you mentioned that, because as we begin to discuss this movie, boy, do I have a lot to say about the mice. Um, I oh, think yeah. you we hit the nail on the head there. The biggest problem with uh with Cinderella is that she's not the star of her own movie um she's she plays sort of a a damsel in distress uh and that's it that's really all there is to her and I don't know if I can say that about many of the golden age uh princesses I think you know I I'd have to go back and rewatch Snow White but I you know I think Snow White has a personality to a degree and you know, she certainly does stuff to 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 attempt to better her own situation. Whereas Cinderella is really just a victim of circumstance, at least in the animated classic. When you get to the Renaissance, Ariel, Belle, uh, and so on, that's when you start seeing the princesses with uh, with a spine, with with with, uh, with a degree of personality. So I would mm-hmm. surprise that that that. Um, those born, you know, in the 70s or later on would take to the Renaissance. But first of all, those would be the ones that you grew up with more so than I think the, than the animated, uh, the, the Golden Age ones. But they're just more interesting princes. Uh, and then, now you've got ones like that. I mean, I was joking around when I said it to my daughter, but really, when you, when you think about where Disney princesses have evolved to, Elsa
1: <laughs>
0: it, it, it is sort of the logical uh go to point she she's uh well, for, you know as people call her she's a mutant she she's got she's got superpowers, you know, but she, she's technically uh,
2: not a princess, she's a queen though honest a princess
0: that's right uh but but both of them you know are not victims of circumstance they are masters of their own destiny they are you know taking the bulls by the horns and they certainly um are uh, i think better role models for kids these days than than the golden age ones, which were sort of just. Riding the train, riding the train of destiny, and not necessarily commanding it. But um, let's let's get into this film here, uh, Sean. You and I were talking earlier that uh, if you sit down and you and you watch the film unfold, the first thing that comes becomes uh, very apparent is how much time is focused on the damn mice. And I jokingly said on Facebook, I said Cinderella is not about Cinderella. Cinderella is about a colony of mice living under the tyranny of a cat. And and I want to get get your take on that. And Alexis as Well, why you know um, you have this rich tale a uh, uh, tale as old as time, good old Ash and Putin, Cinderella. Uh, you know that, that obviously you can do so much with as, as the live action version shows us. And instead, Disney made a conscious choice to spend the first 20 minutes of this thing doing the Tom and Jerry cartoon.
3: Well, look, I mean, Cinderella is a Disney princess movie in the sense that almost any Carlos Santana solo album is about Carlos Santana. I mean, sure, they're there, they're just kind of relegated to being more or less sideshow acts. There's really nothing to them, and that's a big reason why, growing up, even though I remember this movie, and I remember Sleeping Beauty, and I remember Snow White and all that, I never really had much of a connection to them. It's in part because, unlike later movies, there's just really no character and not much story there. It's just kind of all over the place. It seems like a six to ten minute Looney Tunes short about, as you said, a colony of mice living under the tyranny of an evil cat that, for God knows what reason, got stretched out to over an hour in length. And it's really hard to maintain interest if you're not really, really into the literal cat and mouse game. I mean, from a cinematic
0: standpoint, I want to get Alexis' point of view on this, but from a cinematic standpoint, when when you've written a film in which the mice at the end of the thing are the heroes, and they're the ones that are going to save the princess in the end, not the prince, not the king, not the princess herself, she will be saved by the mice. It makes some degree of sense that you get to know your heroes, Jacques and Gus Gus. However sort of an odd take on this that you wouldn't have her standing up for herself and helping her own cause. And instead, like I said, just, you know, being helped along by your hero. mice. so again, it would make sense that they would open with 20 minutes of, of your heroes, you know, and getting, and getting them to know, getting the audience to get to know them. It's just, why would you even go that in that direction in the first place? Now, Alexis, you, uh, You're a subject matter in Western animation. What do you take on this? Why, you know, in Snow White, they don't do this sort of thing. In Snow White, you get to know Snow White and the Queen fairly early on. Uh, This route, they went with the mice.
2: Well, I think you're half right about Snow White because, again, we're talking about them paying more attention to side characters. In Snow White, yeah, she did have a little bit more of a character, but what's the first thing people remember about Snow White? the dwarves. They were the ones that really got the attention. They were the ones that got the laughs and the best parts. And then you look at Disney's next princess, Sleeping Beauty. What's the first thing you remember about Sleeping Beauty? The villain and the three fairies. So again, you know, all three of these princesses really didn't get a lot of character. But part of that, I think, is the fairy tale formula. The fact that when the Grimm brothers and Hans Christian Hansen and whoever else wrote those stories back then, they wrote these characters very bland. It was the idea that you could project yourself into the story. You could see yourself, you know, as the characters. I mean, how many little girls back before, you know, the Cinderella movie ever came out, before there were even movies, heard the story of Cinderella and they imagined themselves in that situation? you know, down on their luck and they you know and all their dreams come true and it's so magical. And I think that and I think they were kinda of going with that. Again, the idea that Cinderella could be anyone that so many girls could look at that and say, That's me, that's me up there. I you know, I'm the one that deserves to be rescued. I could be wrong, but it's kinda of where I'm going with that and that that is why I think a lot of feminists really hate Cinderella because she does she doesn't really do that much to further her own agenda. I mean, she does work like crazy. She takes care of the house. She does everything that her stepmother and stepsisters ask for, but she does not try to further her own agenda. She, you know, she sings at the beginning that her dreams will come true if she keeps wishing hard enough. And that's where a lot of people really kind of draw their line and going, no, you don't just dream for it. You dream and you make it happen. Cinderella she's she's never really, tried to make it happen.
3: She's kind of the mother of all Mary Sues in a way, literally.
2: That's a that's a really good way to put it, actually.
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, explain I your mean, point, Sean. What do you mean by "she's the mother of all Mary Sues"?
3: Well, I mean, okay. Allow me to kind of draw a little bit of a com a little bit of a comparison here. And uh, Alexis, feel free to chime in if I'm wrong here, because you might remember this movie a whole lot better than I do, because while I liked it, I I didn't, I think, quite enjoy it as much as you did. Um, In some ways, she's kind of comparable to uh, uh, Tiana from The Princess and the Frog, in that you really, you really got to respect this character's overall work ethic, and how every day she gets up and puts up with the drudgery and keeps her nose to the grindstone and just kind of does and kind of does her job and does it and does it well for the most part. Just kind of keeps herself out out of trouble. But the difference is Tiana is kind of doing it with an actual goal in mind. Uh she's doing it with her eye on a really specific prize. She's starting out for point A and she's got a point B. In in this case, in Cinderella's case, she's just kind of aimlessly going about all about all the day-to-day low-class drudgery because, for God knows what reason, her evil stepmother was creepily really jealous of an adolescent girl.
2: For one worth, I think not, they did try... I'm sorry.
3: Did, did, that try... Ever, I'm sorry. Did, did that ever jump out to anybody else just how damn weird that is? When they explain that in the ex- in the requisite exposition dump at the beginning, that when they're that when they're talking about how jealous the evil stepmother was of Cinderella, you look down and you realize she's twelve.
0: <laughs> I think. Um,
1: well, well, well I was going to say they're, they're
2: ha- I'm sorry, sorry guys. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to get
0: your opinion on this, but I think I, really, really quickly, I think what's implied is. She knows. She, I mean, if you the other sentence in that that's really important is her two awkward daughters, and I think that it's it's much a like a, a a Snow White thing where the stepmother sort of looks at her two daughters, and then looks at Cinderella and is jealous of the fact that Cinderella is is so much fairer and so much prettier and um, so not awkward uh, as, as her two daughters are, and it's. And, again, maybe I'm reading too much of this, but I think there's an implication there that, you know, the stepmother is, what's wrong with me that I I mothered these two idiots? Um, and, and (laughs) And that is reflected in how much better Cinderella is in comparison. And so it's like, well, you know, I can't accept the fact that I'm a terrible mother and I have had two terrible daughters, so I'll just beat the shit out of you instead. Go ahead, Alexis.
2: See, what I always got, and I think they also kind of established this in other movies, like the, the modern Cinderella movie that just came out, and also Ever After, which I, I actually do like as a movie, is that I don't think she was really jealous of Cinderella's beauty thing. I always got the impression she was jealous of how much Cinderella's father loved her. I always got the impression that this was a marriage where, the, where Lady Tremaine could see that her new husband you know, loved her, but obviously loved her daughter more. No, they said
3: said right there in the exposition dump, I'm probably going to get the wording exactly wrong, but the stepmother was jealous of of Cinderella's beauty and grace.
0: Okay, but to Alexis' point, and every other telling of Cinderella, that is the case. The stepmother... And if you watch the live action with Kate Blanchett, and Robert Winfrey and I talked about this at length, the woman is actually, her feelings are hurt. You know, there's a mm-hmm. whole scene where, where the father is talking to talking to Ella and saying, like, oh, they're a trying bunch, but deal with it while I'm gone. It's, it's, it'll be fine. And Kate Blanchett's sort of off in the corner listening to this, and you could see she's wounded. And I think in all these other tellings of Cinderella, um, they make it a point to say that the mother uh, is jealous of, uh, of the love between the father and Cinderella. She's also, they they also make it a point to say that this woman married for love, lost that husband, marries again, loses the second husband, and is bitter as all get out. This is one she of the that problems. With, see, but this is the problem with the animated version, and that is there's just some lazy writing going on here. I You know, Sean and I have said, you know, children's fair... Can be simple; it doesn't have to be stupid. And Agreed. I feel like, and I feel like, a lot of times with with the earlier Disney stuff, call it laziness, you know, or call it a belief that your your audience is a bunch of bricks that you know that you can't go too far over the head of the, or, or you're going to lose them. And children are, are are much more are, are better than all of that. And so I think they leave out a lot of detail, leave out a lot of intrigue, leave out leave out a lot of character development. In favor of animal antics and pratfalls, and I think that's part of what drives me so nuts about this about this version. In retrospect, is that is that there's so much richness in the Cinderella tale that got left on the cutting room floor because fuck it, they're kids, you know. All you know, really, they just want to get to the ball. This is mall rats. Just get to the damn mall already. Mall
1: ball. Oh, okay. you
3: Okay, but you see, but but there again, it, it comes back to my original point and what adds to this is the fact that, yeah, you feel bad for her because she's perpetually at the whim of this bitch of a mother and these two harpies of stepsisters. And, that's, and yeah, granted, heart goes out to her for that and everything. But at the same time, everything she ultimately ends up with kind of has nothing to do with any of that. It, it, it's just something that entirely accidentally falls into falls into her lap, and she and it just happens to be everything that she was wishing for, but nothing that she was really kind of working toward or moving toward at all. You uh, hen, know, you lap, say it's- she's kind of the mother of, mother of all Mary Sue's. It's just pretty much well. You got dumped. You got dumped upon. It's not, and it's well. It's not like you've actually really earned anything. It's not like we can really say that you exactly deserve this. Uh, Hell with it. Here you go anyway.
2: Well, you say the thing. She got the thing she was wishing for, and I just suddenly realized. I don't think at any point in the 1950 movie. Does Cinderella actually state what she's dreaming about and what she's wishing for? I am pretty Not sure. Right. You, yeah, I just got. You just said, and I sort of realized wait, at what point did she say she wanted to marry the prince? At what point did she say she wanted to find true love? At yeah, you know, yeah, you, you know, what that's, point that's did a, she say a, she wanted to family. get away from her family? Well, that's a good point, because at
3: the start of the movie, all she says is just that her, her Anna pals. Uh, interrupted the most wonderful dream. They never said it was about the prince. I mean, if, who knows? There could be a snippet of dialogue in there where she where she tells them, "Oh, you interrupted
2: the most wonderful dream. It was the one where Humphrey Bogart
3: had to rescue me from the burning baby oil factory."
2: <laughs> yeah, at least Snow White and and does it
0: say something about me that I'm thinking, you know, you just woke me from The Most Wonderful Dream. I was on the desk and Hugh Grant put a carrot in my mouth and a saddle on my back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to add, at least Snow White and Aurora actually state what their dreams are. Snow White wants to find her prince. Aurora wants to find true love. I, I, again, those are pretty generic, for lack of a term, disney Dreams, yeah. but at least their actual. There's at least a concrete idea there. I mean, yeah. this is. This I, is I think
0: like, you're making a good key. point about this. I also, I think, I don't even think Cinderella directly says that she even wants to be rescued from her plight. She, you know, she. It, it, I think it's implied. I, I think um, you know it's sort of inherent, but ultimately the only thing that that. The only caveat, the only goal the only uh thing that she that she attempts to attain is the ability to attend the ball that is open to all the maidens of the land that's it that was the you know it was I'm just going about my daily life, I'm having wonderful dreams and talking to mice and being abused by my family, and she just doesn't she doesn't think anything of it, and then the, you know there's a proclamation. All you know, all you all you single broads, all the single ladies show up at the castle, and she was like, oh, I wanna, I wanna do this, and then you know, and then she's you know molested and beaten by you know by the stepsisters, and that's it. She just kind of throws herself onto the floor and says, I, I have lost all hope, and that's her story. The thing, you know, the everything else that happens at the prince at the ball is just is 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 in total accident. She could have very well have shown up at the ball. And, you know, and, and no one paid her a second look. And she certainly didn't have any objective other than just get there and have a, and, you know, and have a magical night.
2: Yeah,
3: she, she just wants to go get her party on.
2: Say, what would have happened if she wore the pink dress that, that was her mother's originally and the prince didn't notice her? I mean, you know, so the blue dress is obviously so much more sparkly and attention-getting, but what would have happened if she showed up and the prince didn't notice her? And it's like, okay, so then what? You went to the ball, you, you know, you... Took a, took a couple of Jello shots. You danced with some people you don't know, and you showed back home before midnight, and that's it. So what was what's Plan B? Well,
0: that was the thing. You know, I think that was it. It was like, hey, I just want to get a night out of the house where I'm not scrubbing the floor. You know, she was, this was this was Mom's night out. This was Ladies' Night. This was you know just just, just a night out of the house. And that was her big... You can all
2: these songs that- in my head between all the single ladies and ladies' night, and it's just driving me nuts.
3: <laughs> you know, I mean, this is... You're welcome. And again,
2: I and again, I,
3: I kind of draw the comparison. Uh, Tiana works her fingers to the bone because she wants to live her life's dream of opening a restaurant, just like she and her father had always had always wanted to.
0: So let's um. look at one of the dingier princesses. Look at, let's look at Ariel, right? Ariel's another you know, one with, with, with starry eyes and waiting for true love. But at the very least, she's looking at, at the land of humans and like, I want to I go there. I have, a, I have a goal. Walk with the humans. Mm-hmm. See what their world is all about. See why my father gets all up in arms anytime I mention this. What is, what is this place that everyone seems to want to keep me away from? What's it all about? She, and, and she's considered the dingy one. You know, like everything, like as as Alexis said, Belle's the one that people want to be because she's the smart one, right? Uh, of, mm-hmm. of that series of princesses. Um, you know, Jasmine. You know, Jasmine could probably win a fight with, with one of the other princes, but there was much more to her than 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 that. Um, you know, she was courageous, but she but she she's she's the blandest of the three. Um, but I mean, but uh, you know, and, and Ariel tends to be regarded as the dingiest. But like I said even well, well, yeah. Well,
3: yeah that's because that, that's because Ariel traded a sweet set of pipes for a nice pair of gams
2: for a man she had never met. <laughs> yeah. <exactly.
3: laughs> that's a, that's a whole
0: other podcast. Um <laughs> of which there are two direct video sequels by the way. In any case, uh move, moving another this time, along.
2: another place. Yes.
0: Moving this along. Yeah, they don't uh they just don't and Alexis, if you want to throw in one last line about this, if you've got some thoughts, they they, they just don't throw in any more expository, um, any more exposition, any more dialogue, nothing that gives anybody any more depth or development. And instead, it's just, you know, they they just sort of push the plot along, and it's very much hurry up and get to the ball. And when we get to the ball, it's, it's very pretty, it's, it's, it's very nice. You're, you're with Cinderella in this sort of magical moment that, as we're discussing, it is ultimately very empty. Um, you have a situation here where you, don't, you never get to know the prince. So this, and, and here's where we'll, where we'll take things now. The only two characters you really get to know, uh, besides the mice, are the stepmother and the king. And the king's the only one with any kind of motivation besides the stepmother. You know, the stepmother, she-, she wants out of poverty and out of this house and she wants to marry off her daughters. Okay, she's got a motive. Um, the king wants progeny and he wants to get his son married off. He's got a motive. And he's a lunatic,
3: by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, reminds me of, he, he reminds me of Amy Wong's uh, parents on Futurama. In fact, I would love to see a version of this movie where someone – just swiftly and seamlessly removes all his original voice tracks, and just dubs in nothing but throughout, but throughout the, the rest of the movie, just the king just constantly saying,
2: "When you're gonna get married and give me grandchild?"
3: Yeah. Come but on, pick a man. You know,
2: I want to be. I want to be grandmother five nine months from five minutes from now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but if it's a ninety-minute show, you've got thirty minutes of mice, thirty minutes of the stepmother, thirty minutes of the king and the Grand Duke. That's it. That's how the movie breaks down.
2: I do actually really like the King and the Grand Duke because they are the ones that are most fleshed out that aren't the talking animals. You're right. The King actually does, you know, have a goal. And furthermore, it's one that I think a lot of people can kind of understand and sympathize. I'm not going to lie. I think I have heard the words, we would like grandchildren out of my parents at least once. You know, God help me. (laughs) But you know, I I, could, I see i You they know, have and, and a
3: grandchild. I, he's over there peeing on the curtains.
2: Yeah, but he's not the right color.
3: <laughs> hey now. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Before, before one single solitary person pipes pipes anything pipes anything in, um, I am re- I am referring to uh, Toby, the greatest cocker spaniel in the world.
2: Um, it's a joke because my parents have West Highland Terriers, white dogs, until he is black, uh, black furred. And there's just a pot of jokes there that I normally don't touch. But you're know, sorry, you, you kind of um, open that one up for me.
0: <laughs> I'm really holding back at this point. You're, you're new to the show. <laughs> we are trying to talk about a children's animated cartoon. I'm, I do enough of this sort of schtick. Well, Tuesday, please well, well, okay, for the love of God, move on. Well, uh,
3: well, well just to just, just to kind of finish uh, again the exhibition dump here a little bit. Um, uh, Alexis and I did have a really long relationship, and uh, toward the end of it was when we got Toby, and. He's, you know, he, he's a black American cocker spaniel, and there was there was a moment I think about a day or two after we got him where we just kind of both went. To, he's black and he's named Toby X. Hey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and does he master Final Cut Pro?
3: <laughs> uh oh, uh, uh, and there you go, bringing it back to the paranormal activity reviews and it's goddamn right. All right, uh, we've you up.
0: Okay. I, I, telling us, I, you're telling okay, us that I, uh, your, your mother wants you to have children. Now, now, where are you in your relationship? No, no, sorry, pardon me. I'm on the wrong page here. Go ahead. You were, we we're talking about a cartoon. I,
2: I Well, I was saying there's that scene after the ball where the Duke goes to tell the king that he lost Cinderella, and you see the king's dream for a second, and he's playing with his future grandchildren. And I love that scene. I love it. You know, we don't need exposition dumps. It's like that scene – Perfectly illustrates why the king wants his son to get married. And, and I love it. Get, you're saying you know, it's the pro, progeny, but it's also that he wants grandchildren. He He's clearly a man who likes kids, and he wants to be a grandfather. And, and I really like that scene. I think it spells a lot about his character. Hey, Brace McGuffin, you're worrying me you're prancing around in that glass slipper instead of finding me with that to make grandbaby.
0: He has a great line in uh, A Twist in Time, by the way which I I'm jumping ahead just to say it but my favorite line in that whole movie is right at the end where he's sitting there uh you know with his hands crossed hands crossed uh at his chest and smearing goes well does anyone want to marry my son and I heard it the first time And out laughing I mean this weren't there a whole lot of moments in these director video sequels but that one that one floored me does anyone want to marry my son <laughs> But I'll tell you what. Um it's a, it's a one of the reasons why it's a great line is it sort of denotes the fact that there's you know that the prince is just kind of there to be married, you know. In in the, in the live action movie, there's Martina obviously, and I probably shouldn't keep drawing back to that. But but in this one, he might as well have been a painted statue, you know, just a gold statue uh, that says Academy Award on it or something, just because that's all he is in the movie. <laughs> He's just he's just this thing to be awarded to some broad, you know, um and he has no personality at all. And even the the stuff at the ball where he's dancing with Cinderella, they don't get to know one another, they're not they don't reveal anything to one another, they don't share in any moments, they dance privately and then it's over.
2: Well, I think you're supposed to assume that they're sharing everything during that song So This Is Love because obviously they're not singing to each other, but I, I, I kind of always got that that was the impression. But you are right. He is insanely generic. I mean, in fact, if you pull up a Disney Wiki site or anything like that, and it has the list of Disney princesses, or pr- princes, sorry, the Disney princes, and they actually have names for Snow White's prince and uh, the beast's real name, but you know, our Cinderella's prince is literally Prince Charming. Is no, he has no other name. <laughs> he, what he is he?
0: He, 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 he is 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 Prince King McGuffin. By the way. It's not like this is the charming the, the the royal line of of Charmings. They literally were just like you know they could, they could have just as easily called him Prince Dreamboat.
2: Pretty much. And you know
3: what? This all could have been settled so much more easily if they would have just booked the first ever. Prince McGuffin on a pole ladder
2: match to take place in the main event of Royal Mania. I knew somehow so, you guys were gonna turn this into a wrestling commentary.
0: I'm trying not to keep so,
2: oh, uh, oh so
3: oh oh so this is the first time you've listened to our show. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
0: I want to talk about let, let let's talk a little bit about uh the stepmother and the two stepsisters. Now I I the stepsisters uh in this one they are uh, they're just awful, but that's all they are. They're, they're they're obstacles to be overcome by Cinderella. There's no they there's no character there. Um, I kind of referred to them as clowns. You know, you kind of expect them to just pop out of a car and have fifty more behind them. You know, following. They're they're, they're pretty much just there to torment Cinderella, and they serve no other purpose. The only other the the only other character in the movie is the stepmother, and I'll tell you. Um, and I want to get your your opinion on this. I don't know what you thought of Maleficent, uh, but prior to Maleficent, on um, the uh, on Robert Winfrey's Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, we talked about. Uh, now, uh, if you you've never listened to his podcast, he 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 talks strictly about villains and the importance that they play, and we and we deconstruct villains on that show. We did a whole we did a two part episode on Disney villains, and we talked about how Maleficent. Was kind of like Disney's version of uh, of um, the Joker from The Dark Knight. She's just evil. She's just there to watch the world burn. She serves. She has no other motives other than to just be gleefully mustache twirly evil. And the problem with Maleficent was the same problem that you have with Darth Vader in the prequels. Is you know is they gave her a backstory and tried to make her sympathetic. Uh, and then, so in in doing so, they took away that grand evilness from her. I can't even watch Sleeping the the animated Sleeping Beauty now, which you know you have this really awesome you know evil fairy who turns into a fucking dragon at the end of it. I don't know what boy doesn't watch this and go that's just the coolest thing ever in a Disney cartoon. And she's done now. And that's it was pretty it. cool when it happened. W- I was just it's pretty cool
2: when it happens in the Kingdom Hearts game too.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, Melissa, so Maleficent has been sort of you know, defanged. and But um, I think the, the runner-up, and now the, the, the one that claims the gleefully evil crown, because they don't give any explanation, they don't make her sympathetic, they don't even explain really, other than this, the explanation that Sean gave as to why she's the way that she is, is the wicked stepmother. She's just a horrible, bitchy human being And whilst there's motive to to marry off the sisters, you can have the sisters married off without being this cruel to Cinderella. And yet she is. And she isn't, like, doing, like, when she locks her in the attic during the shoe fitting, she doesn't do so in a way of, whew, you know, she doesn't, like, wipe her furrowed brow and go, that was a close one. She does it and giggles about it. She's like, I've locked you in the the attic and fucked your future. Congratulations. You know, she and and then and then she turns into a dragon. No, sorry, wrong cartoon. But she might as well. You know, she might, she might as well turn Adamor into into a dragon and killed the Grand Duke and stormed into the castle. Um, your thoughts? <laughs> your thoughts, Alexis.
2: Well, I am going to say this. You are absolutely right about the movie Maleficent. I despise that movie. I really do. I hated what they did to Maleficent. I sat there and said, "So you took one of the greatest evil villains—the the, the villain who's the only Disney villain more evil than Maleficent—is freaking Chernabog from Fantasia, because he's the devil. You know, he's, he's pretty much their—you know—a Slavic version of Satan. And you essentially said the reason she's evil is because she's a woman scorned. She had her heart broken, and." That really drives me up ball Going, you know, we we as a as a as the female species do have other motivations other than this guy screwed no, me don't. over, so now I'm going to screw him.
0: No, you don't. I watch The Big Bang Theory, and Sheldon says you all are completely ruled by your vaginas. I've seen the I'm show. I've seen the that clean. one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not touching that one. No, that that listen, the movie and really, really, really drove me nuts. I just can't Hated it so much. I sat there. I mean, I just remember the first few minutes going, "Wait a minute!" So this fairy, who for some reason doesn't look like any of the other fairies, and is the only one who's not CGI. Awkward. Um, who is supposedly good and a guardian, and her name is Maleficent. The, name, the word Maleficent means evil. You know, why would you? you know, why would you give your child this name unless you intended for her to be evil? It, it, it just really. Really drove me up the wall. I think the only thing they got right, you know, from the original story is that yeah, again, Aurora, French Phillip, blank slates and boring. Well,
0: just, just as a quick aside, they were really trying to, you know, take the, it's the wickedization of everything. You know, Wicked was yes. a very popular book, and it's obviously become a very popular Broadway musical. And and then I and then I think they they tried to do it as. Um, as a as a film with uh, what's his face, uh, the the one chick from that seven my lacunas um, and James Franco. Yeah, Oz, was,
2: was Oz the Great and Powerful, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well <laughs> in any case, um it's the wickedization of things. It's the uh, let's do everything from the bad guy's perspective because this one time it worked and it made money. Um yeah, it doesn't really work with Maleficent. Uh and and it did, and it didn't. Angelina Jolie and her cheekbones could not save that movie. But go on.
2: Those were prosthetic cheekbones, actually. That was makeup. And for the record, props to the makeup department; they made it look pretty cool. But yeah, I said I just despise what it did, and I forgot where I was going. I know I said first of all I hated Maleficent, and then I just suddenly got wrapped up in the hatred, so I can't remember where I was going with this. (laughs) That's Uh, what that movie has done to me.
0: Disney's pure evil villain is now the evil stepmother.
2: Yes, and, no, you're, I don't know. I guess I like to pretend that the movie Maleficent didn't happen, that Maleficent is still the truly evil villain. I mean, you know, they always say, you know, she put this curse on a world just because she got snubbed at a birthday party. And I go, no, I, I think she probably would have crashed and, you know, cursed the baby anyway. She just used the whole, I didn't get an invitation as the opening joke.
0: Right. No, no, she's, when yes. Maleficent, well, look, in the animated version of Sleeping Beauty, she totally walks in, diva that she is, and looks around and goes, I'm going to fuck with this family. And everything else is just, you know, her dragging it out and, and, and building up the dread. And you're like, oh, you, know, you didn't invite me? I, you know, I, uh, I'm hurt. <clears throat> I'm not hurt, I'm evil. And by the way, your daughter's dead, and that's, by, you know, by the time she turns 16, toodles.
2: Pretty much, yeah. Again, you compared Maleficent to the Joker. I think it's the same way. The Joker would not have used the snub as a reason to go on a killing spree. He would have used it as part of a joke. He would have said, ooh, right. here's the angle I'm looking for. I'm going to use this as the joke. Right. But it wouldn't have changed the motive. He would have done it anyway. And, yeah, Maleficent is pure evil, and I really think she would have gone in and cursed the hell out of all of them just for the hell of it. It's just like, ooh, now I have a, now I have my opening monologue. <laughs>
0: So do, so do you think, And I mean, because in my opinion, she does. I really feel like, you know, devoid of the magic and all of that, with the actions she takes against Cinderella um, versus, you know, the, the evidence that's there, I think she rises to the level of pure evil. I think without any kind of explanation or anything else, you have no reason to sympathize with this version of the evil stepmother. She
2: does, and Lady Tremaine is pure evil throughout the movie. You're right; it does start as jealousy, whether that is the jealousy of Cinderella being more beautiful than her stepdaughters, or Cinderella receiving more the love of uh, her father, La- Lady Tremaine's late husband. But and I feel like it's kind of the the bold that grows into that evil. You know, I still love that scene where she basically tells Cinderella, yeah, you can go to the ball if you get your chores done and if you can find a dress to wear, which, you know, actually is a fair compromise when you think about it. And then she looks at her daughters and basically tells them, now go give that girl every chore you can think of. You know, she she basically tells Cinderella, yeah, you get the stuff Then you know, trying to almost appear friendly. And then the minute Cinderella walks out, she goes, okay, let's go have some fun with this. And then again, at the end, when Cinderella shows up in the dress, and Lady Tremaine says, I don't go back on my word. You found a dress to wear. You got your chores done. You can come. Oh, by the way, girls, did you notice something about this dress? And she gets Anastasia and Drizella's rage going on, and then they start shredding the dress. So you realize that, yeah, she is plotting all of this. She is able to think so quickly, Think, oh, how can I really screw with Cinderella now? But she never does it. Okay you know, in a direct way until she locks her in the attic. At that point, Lady Tremaine says, I'm done being passive-aggressive. I'm done, you know, just pulling the strings, as it were. I am going to take some initiative and just show you that, yeah, you're fucked.
0: You, You will forever be a prisoner in my world. Exactly. Um... Sean, any thoughts here about uh, about the stepmother and the, uh, and the stepsisters? Because if not, I think we're gonna do uh, one last go around on the blank canvas that is Cinderella. Because actually, because you, you said it before, Alexis, and I actually like that. I like I like the idea of Disney purposely making her sort of a blank canvas to project yourself into. But um, I want to make sure we got we got this covered. So, Sean, any thoughts here on the two clowns and their uh, their pure evil
3: stepmother? not really a whole lot as far as those two specifically except for the fact that every time all three of them were on screen together and the two stepsisters were doing their thing. Again, I could just kind of imagine the stepmother being voiced by Maurice LaMarche and just saying, if I hadn't promised your father. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's Wait, what, That's about, wasn't that a line from know, the God
2: the Devil and Bob actually? I I think that was Alan Cumming who said that.
3: Yeah, you know what? You're right. Um I, I for some reason was thinking that was from an episode of Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> All
0: right. Um So, let's uh let's let's do our some final thoughts here on the, the film at large and, and the title character. Um you know, as I said, it, Cinderella is uh, she's the title character of the movie? Yet she plays almost I, I feel like a minimal role in the narrative. It's a lot of the mice running away from the cat, and in the end, it's the mice that save her. Um, you know, she's she's there at the ball, but she's just you know dancing and silent. And you know, it's 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 not it's an interesting message that they're sending out. Because it, it's it, it, we talked about Ariel a little while ago, and I don't want to get into a whole tangent on that because I want to get into the other two films. But um, I, I, I watched the the Screen Junkies Honest trailer, and for both Cinderella and the Little Mermaid, and in both situations, there's an emphasis on if you're pretty, the fact that you may or may not have a brain is a, is largely irrelevant. You know, if you're you know, and and that's it. That's all you get with Cinderella. She's she's vacant and pretty, and she had and she plays no role whatsoever in in her uh, in her situation. She's just she's just there, and it's um you know I, on the one hand I get what you're saying. I was like, well, this is so that you can project yourself onto this person and you know and kind of make it your own story as a little girl, but. Uh, by the same, by the same token, is that really what you want people to take away from this film? Is you know, is uh, uh, you know, if I bring my daughter back out here, and God knows I'm not doing that, but you know, do I want, Lily, <laughs> do I want Lily to walk away from Cinderella going, everything will be okay, my dreams will come true, so long as I sit here and be pretty?
2: That's why you need to go show her Beauty and the Beast asap.
0: Oh, she's blocked Beauty and the beast plenty of times
2: oh <laughs> <laughs> well, hey try start singing to Our Guest thing. and let it go
0: <laughs> there you go um so so any other any other thoughts here on you know on disney's you know active decision really to to make to to draw the character that way are you asking me or alexis uh anyone that wanted to jump up and had a burning desire Okay. I
2: think I said enough when I was going on my rant about Lady Tremaine. Sean, you didn't get a word in edgewise for like the last 10 minutes, so please. Okay, well, allow me to kind of sum up my general thoughts on the film. Really,
3: you have to take this and love it for what it is and accept it for what it isn't. And you also have to remember its place in the Disney animation picture. On the plus side the film is aesthetically absolutely 100% a masterpiece. It's got a gorgeous, sweeping Henry Mancini-esque score, and in fact, during production, uh, this was one of the very first uses of double-track vocals in the song Sing Sweet Nightingale, years and years before artists like the Beatles would use it in their studio recordings. The, The actual look of the animation is... Really gorgeous, and it in fact proves that there's certain evocative ground that hand drawn animation will always be able to tread upon where computer generated animation just will never be able to follow the voice acting is also absolutely spot absolutely spot on and well well delivered throughout it's got a true sense of escape into another place in time, which is something that, as we'll get into sequels, the other two really seem to lose the plot on. On the other hand, what you're also going to have to accept is that Disney was not yet in its most progressive era of character development. Well, I think
0: it's also important to remember this was also 1950, so as we're saying all of this, you know, if you could, if you could transpose Frozen, you know, would, would, does Frozen and those characters work in 1950? Probably not. Does, C- does Cinderella well, as she's drawn in 1950 work in 2015? No.
3: Well, yeah, I wish I kind of wish you hadn't interrupted me and kind of taken the air out of my point because I was getting to that.
0: Um, <laughs> All right, John.
3: Because really, if we're being honest, the most fun to be had with this movie is, as we pointed out several times, just with the sections with the mice. Because, on the other hand, you're looking at a pretty blank slate protagonist, a romantic foil who, with the point I tried to make before, you could just as easily resolve this plot with by just dangling him above a rest ring and setting up a bunch of ladders and having a and having all the elves of the ball just fight each other tooth and nail to climb up and pull him down for all his personality. Uh, It's one of those movies that you want to watch for its place in Disney history, and it's maybe an easy one to show young children to enchant them and quiet them down for a little while. But is it really a masterpiece of overall filmmaking? Unfortunately... No. It would still be about another good thirty five to forty years before Disney would pull it all together and create some of their most iconic complete animated classics. So if anything watch it for the sake of being able to say you've seen it, sure. But just go in with your with your expectations pretty well in check. Did you want to add anything, Alexis? I thought you were starting to
0: chime in there, or no?
2: I just cleared my throat. I, I'm fine. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> the wonders of doing this via uh, via podcast, folks. All right, um, so let's move on. I think we've uh, we've said all that needs to be said about uh, Cinderella. Deconstructed it, but you know I'm sure fans listening to this show are about ready to strangle all three of us. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on here to the um direct-to-video sequel Dream Cinderella 2 Dreams Come True which is broken up into three sections it's uh it's stitched it's stitched together by scenes of the fairy godmother um uh, encouraging the mice to tell stories uh about Cinderella and about their own experiences and so you have three short stories uh, that, that are stitched together, and you know, and the whole thing is like they're they're copying all of this down into a book. And there's, so there's Aint to Please, which is about Cinderella's first few days uh, being a princess in the castle. And then there's uh, Tall Tale, which is about Jacques and his wish to uh, his wish to help Cinderella and being unable to do so adequately as a mouse, and so he wishes to be a human and um, and then hilarity uh, ensues, and then you have an uncommon romance which um doesn't by the way line up with the third movie, but we'll talk about that a little bit later but uh, in this one, Cinderella's throwing one of many balls, and the sisters were invited and um you know, this is yet another opportunity to get them married off and in in the midst of all of this, Anastasia, who is the less dingy of the two um Falls in love with the baker, the town baker, and Cinderella is there to sort of you know try to get her to uh, engage in this romance with the baker, and this is against the stepmother's wishes, and once again, hilarity ensues. So here's my uh, my huge problem with Cinderella: Two Dreams Come True. Um, there was a lot of really good ideas in this movie. Unfortunately, because they chose to do them as short stories and not as one long movie and sort of interwoven, because all three of these things, Anastasia falling in love with the baker, Cinderella's first few days in the you know, being a princess and all that entails, and Jacques wanting to be, you know, <laughs> Jacques, who is apparently madly in love with Cinderella and wanting to, wanting to help her out, could have been woven into one long feature. They were all good ideas, The problem is, and and I say this a lot with movies that we cover on this program, these were good ideas executed poorly. Take, for instance, this first one, Aim to Please, right? Um, No sooner do Cinderella and uh, Prince Oscar show up uh, back from their honeymoon and the prince is gone again and she's left to learn how to be a princess and uh, and her and her job is to be is to throw the balls and you know be the, the social attendant and so she's got she's got to learn the etiquette of the castle and she's also got to learn to do that function. Um, and I can't remember the character's name I think it's like Prudence or something like that. But there's this woman sort of tutoring her uh, in how to do all of these things and the and the conflict is essentially you know Cinderella kind of wants to do things her way but. It, it, those things are simply quote unquote not done and so you have the old versus new thing and it's and it's interestingly it's interesting enough and i and i and i kind of like the idea and i never really truly <clears throat> lord of no sooner does cinderella show up to this castle but she's but her husband's already gone like he has to quote unquote go on matters of the state and so what you know she's feeling like a prisoner once again in her own home she goes from being a prisoner of lady tremaine's home to a prisoner being in this castle. It's a great idea. And I want, and I want to get your feedback on this. It's a great idea. It's, it's something really interesting to do with this character. You know, what happens the day after your dream comes true? What do you do with the new life you've got? The problem is, because they, they needed to wrap this thing up in 15 to 20 minutes uh, or so, they don't get into anything. It's just, you know, it, it's, it, it's a death metal song they hit the notes so fast, it's over before you really get into anything. And so you take a great idea and you just beat it to death. And and then that, it's over and you that got nothing.
3: I'm actually starting a band called The Cinderella of Death Metal.
0: <laughs>
3: I will find a way to make this happen. Mark my words.
0: <laughs> so, so break in here, guys. You, you, let's, let's talk about this first one um, and, and this idea of they really missed an opportunity to tell a truly interesting story.
2: Well, the first thing is that to point out that it is three segments because this is something that Disney was actually doing a lot with their uh, direct-to-video releases. Uh, I think they did this with a sort of Tarzan sequel with the Atlantis sequel, and I could be wrong, but I think the... Second sequel, so not the not the Christmas one, but the other one of Beauty and the Beast was in the same style. That these were three parters. That essentially they were trying to see if this could work as a TV show. Mm-hmm. Disney wanted to replicate what they had done with Aladdin and what they had done with Hercules, and they wanted to see if they could turn these properties into a long-running TV show. So you definitely get that watching this. That these are not part this is i personally look at this go this isn't a movie this is a pilot this is an animation test uh but on the first one aim to please aim to please i guess kind of bug me because going back to what we were saying cinderella doesn't really have a lot of character she doesn't have a lot of you know identity and suddenly she's coming across like well i want to do things my way and like, well. Why didn't you do things your way when you lived at the Tremaine house? What, what Where is the sudden desire saying, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to do this all on my own. and I'm going to do the way I want. Everything's going to be okay. It's like, yeah, you kind of spent, we're assuming at least 10 years not doing that. So where is this sudden gumption come from?
0: <laughs> Came with a dress and the fairy magic.
2: Yeah, There's a scene where she goes to see some, uh, for lack of better terms, commoners, villagers, whatever they are. And they're like, Cinderella, Cinderella. She goes, oh, hi, it's my friends. And I remember my mouth mom going, friends? You don't have friends. Cinderella, your friends are animals, lady. Go <laughs> <laughs> you know, talk to your mice.
0: Who, <laughs> by the way, infested the castle. That's, a, that's that's a good point. You know, in the live action, when they make it a point of her going into the village to buy groceries and stuff, and there's a there's an actual bit of throwaway dialogue with like, "Why don't you just leave?" And she says, "Oh, ah, you know, it's my family's home. Where am I going to go? You know, I at the very least, I owe I owe them to try to keep it up um, and do the best I can with this in this situation. And You don't get that in the cartoon at all. You're right. She's you know, as far as the cartoon's concerned, she's trapped in a dungeon with mice. Mm-hmm.
3: Cinderella, original
0: Beastmaster. <laughs> the honest trailer referred to her as a druid, a powerful druid who can talk to animals. Um, yeah, you're right. They, 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 well, isn't this? You know, it came out in 2002, and so obviously you. Can't, this is the problem with trying to update one of the uh, one of the classics. Is you know, as we said, as Sean said, and then apparently I, you know, and then I <laughs> I, I took the wind out and said it myself. um, you know, you have a 1950s motif going on with, with that, where, where for lack of a better phrase, it was susceptible to sort of portray her that way. You can't get away with that now. And so this thing comes out in 2002. You know, if you even tried to write Cinderella that way, there'd have been groups. <laughs> there would have been, you know, there'd have been <laughs> letters written. No, you know, people aren't going to, no, this isn't going to work. You know, you're going to make people mad. And so yeah, now suddenly you have to give Cinderella a spine, but that does that, that does kind sort of create a conflict in the character where you know, where did you suddenly get all your your, your courage from? Um, but you know, as an opportunity missed, so I mean I, I get what you're saying. This they're not looking they're not looking at this as an opportunity to tell another story. They're looking at this as, you know can this be um, an Adam you know a, a uh, a cartoon, and then, you know, can, can we do 13 episodes of this sort of thing? Will people go for it? Um, but I still, it it still irks me that they, uh, that then they wasted some really interesting material on what was something that, that amounted to be a pilot for, for a television show. Um, what's your, what's your thoughts on that, Sean? What you know, did you feel like, um, aim to please you know really could have been more or uh it it might have been maybe a waste to try to turn that into something uh something bigger oh
3: well for starters you can look right at it and you can tell that it was meant to be a television pilot because it looks like it was animated by the B team who used to do the Disney afternoon um problem Problem the first is the fact that in the first movie, the characters all had a look of a certain elegance, a certain refinement about them. You could tell there was at least a little bit of attention to detail. They look, and I don't know, Alexis might know if they actually use this method or not, but they looked rotoscoped, but not in that uncomfortable, uncanny valley quite Kind of way, both in terms of the way they moved and the way their faces were structured, and it was nice. It was gorgeous. It was very attractive. In this I'm actually one, looking up
2: who the what the which animation company made this. Which which ones actually did it? So keep talking. I'm actually going to um, look this up.
3: On the other hand, when it comes to the humans in this movie, uh... One look into those huge, disturbing, soul-sucking eyes, and all I could do was exclaim at my TV: "The land far, far away got some good drugs." <laughs> Jesus Christ! Not a one of you would pass a roadside sobriety test.
1: They, all, they,
3: they all look goddamn stoned. They're, they're peering into the very depths of your spirit. God in heaven! <laughs>
1: um,
3: I would also point out that, miraculously, wow, um, the Mice done learned English between the two movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 they, uh, I, apparently, apparently, um, the a royal life even educates the vermin. Who knew? Um, but otherwise i'll say I'll say this about the first part of this little trilogy of terror, and that is the fact that it's not necessarily a bad story; it's just a story you've seen told about a hundred thousand times or more, and more often than not told in a more engaging, less flat way, in particular. To be quite honest with you, more than anything else, it's probably going to remind you of The Princess Diaries, the first one, not that second one.
2: We but, all like to pretend that
3: doesn't exist. <laughs> I'm sure Anne Hathaway would like, would like for that to not exist. But um, it's not entirely awful, but again... It's one of those movies, and I'll come back to this point to this point a little bit late, a little bit later on when we talk about the third movie. Probably at the close when we talk about the third movie. It's one of those movies that mis- that mistakes writing for children for writing for the mentally challenged. <laughs>
0: writing for an audience of potatoes. <laughs>
3: But yeah, that's that's about the size of it. I wish I could say that. I oh, you know what? There is one more thing I have to say about it. I love the fucking king in this movie because he is the most. He is clearly in the throes of dementia. <laughs> <laughs> if you, especially if you watch the final scene at the ball, it's it's hilarious. What are the meaning of this? What a wonderful party! What's the proof? No, <laughs> oh, this is delicious! <laughs> from, yeah, nanosecond it is. To na- from nanosecond to nanosecond, it's, it's almost like you had two monkeys at two typewriters, and neither one of them had any idea what the other one was writing, and they just threw the pages together. <laughs> and, this, and this was what was what they got. Just portrayed two ways. One in which he is right off the bat, immediately impressed and awestruck, and another one in which she's utterly indignant and ready to go straight off with
2: her head. Um, I was going to compare I, it to people with bipolar disorder going through the throes, throes of uh, Vicodin withdrawal. Don't switch back and forth that quickly. But, yeah, I kind of like the of the typewriter idea. <laughs>
0: you know one of the things we do on this show is we just and and i think it separates us from some from other from the vast majority of movie criticism podcasts and and uh, internet shows is we just don't run you know we just don't tear things apart and deconstruct it and sort of look at the pieces on the floor and pat ourselves on the back and go well, look what we did. You know what we do here in the long road Ruin is what can we have done to improve the thing? What would we what would we have liked to have seen instead? And i'll tell you um there there was there was so much potential with this, and again, again, Disney has to sort of get out of its own way and assume its and assume its audience of children does in fact have more than two brain cells that, you know, that they're going to rub together to form a, a thought. The uh, kids kids are just as likely you know, to enjoy a really good, rich story as any adult, and they will turn away from things that are dumb. So you know, after a time, so why not? take you know take something like aim to please and really make it into the story that it should have been i would have liked to have seen cinderella really you know struggling with being you know a commoner in in this environment i would have liked to have seen uh the prudence character uh you know more fleshed out make her you know make her somebody who doesn't believe cinderella belongs there you know they they do this with the duke in uh, the live action version why not you know get, throw that to her Make her, you know, uh, know, make her put, you know, putting Cinderella through the paces in such a way as to say, I hope she fails secretly, you know, things like that. I would have loved to have seen scenes of Cinderella really struggling with the idea of she married this guy that she's known for less than 24 hours and he's, and he's gone and she has to, you know, deal with all of these new entities that she didn't want to, that that she didn't want. She wanted the prince and that's it. That's, that's what she's here for. And he's never around. And I think that would have, been, you know, like I said, it would have been a much more interesting story. But it's that's the problem with this: is that it's, it, in a word, it's insipid. You know, it takes really, really good ideas and just boils them down, and boils them down, and boils them down, so you've got just an, ins, you know, just an insipid tale that once again is resting on the shoulders of the fucking cartoon mice. I <laughs> As soon as I as, soon as I popped in the DVD and I watched this, and it opens with you know with with the, with the mice talking to the fairy godmother, I'm just like, uh, why do we just assume kids are dumb? Why 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 do you do that, Disney? Um, there's no more uh, no, no more thoughts on this one. Let's let's move on to the second one here. <laughs> and all I can think about with, with Tall Tale is how madly in love Jacques is with Cinderella. It's it, it's it, I just... it's. Go ahead.
2: I, like, I just love how you just go from ranting about how much you despise those mice into a, the story that is about the lead mouse. You know, it's just like that, that's one hell of a segue. <laughs> well,
3: and, and actually, I did. I did kind of have one thing that I sort of wanted to wanted to add when talking about. I, I'm sorry, it, it keeps slipping my mind. What was the name of the first short again? I know we said it about a half aim a dozen Aim to please. please. Okay, aim to please. Okay, here's my thing about Aim to Please, and here's how I think it really should have been done a bit differently. And it's something that I can never tell if Disney has actually really thought this perspective through, and this is just the approach that they've settled on, or it's something that they've either never thought through or not really thought through kind of deeply enough. And that's this idea of if you're going to go and you're going to tell this story, you have to remember that you're gearing these stories toward children. And the lessons, uh, kind of the underlying subtext of this, even if they don't realize it, is what they're going to carry forward as they grow up. Because often their heroes of fiction can resonate with them even more, even more deeply, and even more profoundly than what they learn from real life elders, real life adults, from their peers, from their role, from their role models. Um, and so, it, it might have also been maybe a little bit more of an ambitious take to go forward and say, okay, we have it, and say, okay, let's tell a story about what happens when when your dream and your happily ever after turns out to take a little bit more work on your part than you want to and when everything isn't exactly laid perfectly neatly and arranged ideally at your feet. I mean, let's create maybe a little a little bit of a jolt there for maybe even a little bit of of conflict between her and the prince, kind of like there is between Belle and the Beast and Beauty and the Beast, since we keep coming back to that one. Um, there be About there being a little bit of a pushback and how loving someone is one thing, but being in love with someone does take some work. And how sometimes what you want is going to take a little bit of effort on your part. And that's never really an impression that... I got from Aim to Please, and just that it was pretty much more of the simplistic same from the same from the first movie, and it's I feel like it's kind of a missed opportunity. Yeah, I really feel
0: like you know, I, you know, I watched the new the new stuff on Disney Junior with my daughter I have for four years now, um, and one of the shows on there is Sophia the First, and I don't have a tremendous amount of complaint about Sophia. She's definitely in the mold of you know you you ye old modern princess you know she's the smartest one of the bunch she's the most kind she's uh she's an action princess and all of that stuff but they you know they don't uh, a, a lot of sophia is it, you know it, it's kind of what uh, alexis was talking about with uh with, with Cinderella in this is Instead of giving her sort of internal conflicts and turmoil, and, um, and, and maybe even giving her an arc, a uh, you know, character arc to sort of grow on, they just rest on this. Uh, this um, how do I phrase this? Like, oh, I'm going to do it my way, and you know, um, we're going to you know we're going to do it with the team, and, and it just like she she. It sounds like it sounds like you know it should be like in a sports movie or something. I don't know if I'm, I'm explaining this tremendously eloquently enough, but it it they they tend to just to rest on this idea of the princess is just perfect every every step of the way instead of making them a little bit more human and have to actually like develop as people. I mean, occasionally they they'll do that with Sophia. but uh, you know, in this case with, with Cinderella, it's you know she's just she's just struggling to do what other people are telling her to do, but when she decides that she's just going to do it her way, suddenly everything works out okay. And it's like, well, you know, life doesn't work out that way a lot of times. Certainly, uh, certainly, you know, those of us who work, who have been told, you know, who, who are told you, know, you have to do things the way the boss wants you to do it, you know, can tell you trying to do it then your way doesn't work out very well. Um, but that's, that's that's sort of Disney's thing. It's because it's, the message to the kids is, is ignore common sense. Do it your way and everything will work out perfectly.
2: You do actually bring a good point because I started thinking more about the whole, again, Cinderella just says, if I may quote another character, whatever, i do what I want. Um, (laughs) And then I just started thinking about other Disney princes. I thought, well, wait, that's kind of been the motif of, all of our modern Disney princesses—Ariel, Belle, Jasmine, Pocahontas, Mulan, Merida—they have all had the same, same motif. That it is, I am not going to do whatever one expects me to do. I am not a cookie cutter copy. I am myself. So, like, really, guys, that, that—that was what you went with Cinderella. You've already done this with virtually every other Disney princess. And you know, and I'm not saying that's a bad idea, you know, children should learn be yourself, you know, have your own identity, you know, be, to thy own self be true. But I feel that this was just really half assing it. it was right. like, you, know, you guys have done this exact storyline again with Ariel Bell, Pocahontas, Mulan, all of these and it came across number one, better and two, a little more subtle. <laughs> you know, this this is very uh, in your face. Be
1: yourself. Go against what they say you have to do. Are we getting through to you
2: Yeah.
0: Actually, of all, of all the princesses, I think Mulan is the most different of uh, of uh, Mulan and Tiana up you know up until we we get to Elsa uh, and Anna. Um the, the the princesses that really I think broke the mold and were away from that sort of thing, the sort of hackneyed sort of princess model were Mulan and uh and Tiana. They they seem mm-hmm. to be the most grounded and and really had personalities unto themselves and motives unto themselves. You know they weren't looking to be rescued in any kind of way. You know nor were they um so you know slaves so such um, victims of circumstance. They were very much masters of their own destiny. But they, well, that's a whole other podcast. Um, get just in the interest of time, I want to and I don't want to spend too much on this because. I thought, again, if you weave Jacques' story into the larger narrative, I think there was room for it. I think there was room to tell the story of a a, a mouse who magically becomes a human being um, in order to sort of help Cinderella in realizing he was better off being a mouse. But it needed to be like a sub-subplot of a larger narrative. On its own, this was, once again, a Tom and Jerry cartoon. You know, you can, you can sum it up this way. It was mouse turns into human hilarity ensues, you know, he's running away from a fat woman. (laughs) He's he's every, you know, he's being chased by a cat for some odd reason, even though he's a human, it was just, it was literally like instead of taking the idea and really running with it and seeing what that dynamic might be like, they just, they just rested comfortably on pratfalls and um, you know, and physical comedy.
2: I personally just say Rob Paulson, you did a great job voicing a mouse in another medium. You really didn't need to voice it here.
0: <laughs>
2: that is Rob yeah. Paulson playing Jacques.
0: I think we can I think we can comfortably move move to the the third one here. Um Well
2: this was an the hotel. really doesn't have that much to say to it. It's pretty boring. It's it over quick.
0: Yeah. Um an uncommon romance you have um, Cinderella once again, you know, interacting with her sisters. And as I said before, the long or the the short of it is that you get to know Anastasia a little bit more. And Anastasia, you know, Drizilla is consistent. She's looking for a rich husband because she, you know, she wants to be taken care of and she's not necessarily motivated by love. Anastasia is motivated by love. This is a huge issue when you get to the third one, uh, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But, um, this one, as much as they were horrid human beings in the first movie as they were meant to be, at least this one you start to feel some sympathy for Anastasia. And they, they have her in this love story with the, with the baker, and of course Stepmother says the baker isn't good enough, you have to do better than that, and therein lies the conflict. Again, there was room in the larger narrative for this story. It didn't need to be its own story. Um, and instead, they, uh, and, and this one, they actually added a subplot with the stupid cats. Well, not only does of chase the baker, but you have Lucifer going after the cat's name as Pom Pom, of all things. So, just, um, uh, some thoughts on this one, Alexis?
2: It's the second one was just hard for me to wrap my head around why Cinderella was being so kind to Anastasia. I mean, I I know Cinderella's greatest thing is her kindness. I, I get that she she is kind, she is forgiving, she is loving. That that is essentially all she is as a character. But every time I saw her talking to Anastasia in the short, all I could think is, uh, you know, again, this cannot have taken place that much further past the first movie. You know, it, it cannot be that much further along. I'm sitting there, sitting there watching going, uh, do, do you not remember her bossing you around, yelling at you, ripping your mother's dress? You know, it's like, remind, <laughs> reminder, that pink dress belonged to Cinderella's mother. It was touched up, it was refashioned, but that was still her mother's dress. like, yeah, I know you're forgiving, I know you're kind, but Wow, you—you you just got a tolerance level, lady, that
0: baffles me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a, it was an amends kind of a thing, you know. I think she—that's the family that she has, and I think it, it was sort of implied that you know maybe if she can help Anastasia find true love, they can find a, you know a common ground to stand on, and she can have family outside of you know the prince and the king which is fine, and a good enough reason for her to give it the old college try. <laughs> but again, I don't know if it's a strong enough narrative for its own story.
2: I guess I just have trouble seeing why should Anastasia get a happy ending. You know, I, I don't, I, I'm i not saying that villains cannot be redeemed. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the show Once Upon a Time, which has gone out of its way to show that villains can be redeemed, and villains might actually deserve their own happy ending, but I feel like Disney basically just kind of flipped a switch, going, "Oh, she's said as an antagonist. Never mind. She's a protagonist now, without giving any real reason why we should want to root for her." I, it's like, yeah, I, I know we're, I know Disney says, "Oh no, she's a she's a good person now." You know, you want her to be happy, but deep down, we're all kind of shaking our heads, going, "No, no, no. We need more reason on this." I mean,
0: you know, and maybe that kind of falls into the category of what could be done to make this better. If you're going to do a narrative where, Cinder, where, where Anastasia, we get to know Anastasia a little bit more and, and you find out that all she really is motivated by is finding true love, maybe there needs to be more interactions of her and Cinderella starting cold and sort of fi- and finding a common ground together before we even get to where Cinderella tries to help her. You know, maybe... Exactly. You know, maybe yeah, maybe Anastasia sort of, you know, starts to, on her own, make amends with Cinderella. Uh, Sean... Again, in the interest of time, um, is there any anything left unsaid about uh, the second one? I think I think we're it, it was universally panned, um, and I don't think that any, the three of us liked it too much. <laughs> um, no. I know my, my thing is, mean, keep saying there was this was lost potential, but uh, I want to give you the, the last word on it, and then we'll get to Cinderella, Three Days of Future Past.
3: So. Disney, you really went with the decision to pair the frantic makeover montages with a song that repeatedly that repeatedly belts out, It's What's Inside That Counts.
2: <laughs> Disney, you don't irony very well. Who are you kidding? That's Disney's motif. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's inscribed in the fine print underneath the Welcome to Disney World sign. <laughs> it's what's inside that counts you need a makeover buy our crap <laughs>
3: uh, it's it's what's inside that counts but just in case let's work on your makeup
2: again our products can help you buy our shit yeah.
3: it's an anthology movie was a bad, bad idea. It's it, it 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 lacks the overall aesthetic charm of the first of the first one, although yeah, I will be I will be the first to say unabashedly, fuck yeah, Jennifer Hale is Cinderella. Shut up, yes I'm biased because Mass Effect <laughs> Um See so
2: often but, I hear that all I can hear is Miss Keane from Powerpuff Girls.
3: Yeah, you see to me she's to me she's Fem Chef. Period. You can see
2: where our fandoms differ here, folks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, of course. I'm the one I'm the one who's superstitious about wrapping myself in my N seven hoodie every night that I do this show. Um but otherwise well, I can't say it's as bad as a lot of the uh, as a lot of the other abortions that Disney has has put forth in the interest of that of suckling that sweet sweet direct-to-video titty. Um, it's really pretty unremarkable and easily missable. Although we do get kind of a die-hard two and three thing going on between this movie and the third one. And what do you we mean should by use that?
2: that as a segue into. <laughs> I'm so joking. okay,
3: okay, okay, okay. I should I should explain. I I forgot that we have a, a new initiate on our show. Um, I don't. I'm not sure what you mean by it. Well, it, it, it's what <laughs> we've mentioned. It, it, it's what we've mentioned several times, going back to when we did the Die Hard franchise. How we want to know what the hell happened between the second and third movies, that all of a sudden. John McLean and his wife have gone from happily remarried to divorced and not on speaking terms and McLean has and McLean has been uh, suspended from the NYP from the either NYPD or LAPD I forget which it was NYPD Um, yeah Um, so what happened between the second and third movie that Cinderella and Anastasia went from having made peace to all of a sudden, Anastasia once more being teeth gnashing, bitter. Yeah, Here, I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you what in happened. The third one.
1: Someone,
3: someone at the head of the
0: director video department at Disney uh, looked at it, looked at the performance, looked at the sales, and said, Can we just forget we made this movie and make Cinderella 3 actually Cinderella 2? Because it even says it in the wiki. Canonically, it is a continuation of Cinderella, the original Cinderella rather than Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True. So, due to its unusual chronological sequencing, it acknowledges the events of Cinderella Two Dreams Come True by using some of its characters. So, essentially, um, that whole last half hour we spent talking about Cinderella Two was irrelevant because it, it it exists in an alternate universe.
3: So it was it was
0: basically an Elseworlds story. Yes, that Cinderella okay. Three is the proper sequel to Cinderella.
3: Okay, then I vote we just start start calling Cinderella two Cinderella the Last Stand. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I I joked about uh,
0: you know Cinderella three being Days of Future Past because no matter how many ways you look at it, it retcons everything. (laughs) It retcons everything that happens in the first movie. Um, So let's get into this. Came out in two thousand seven. Uh, wildly more popular than the second version, it's actually become its own theatrical performance on Disney cruise lines and stuff. Uh, it's 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 a, it's a fun story. It's an interesting story. It's a full length feature this time. Um, they didn't do little animated shorts. You know, it's a seventy five minute film, and uh, essentially it takes place shortly after the events of the first film. And this one, you actually get to see what happened to the two sisters. You know, they they've taken over as, you know, cleaning the house and being bossed around by their mom. Uh, Cinderella, it's uh, it's a year later, and, you know, they're celebrating their year uh, anniversary, being married to each other. Uh, the fairy godmother um, loses her magic wand, and it gets picked up by Anastasia, who's spying on them. Anastasia gives the wand to the stepmother, and she turns the fairy godmother into stone. And then, now, let let, let us be clear here. Up to this point, the stepmother was just a woman, just a normal, regular old lady um, uh, uh, of moderate wealth. Okay? And suddenly, she's a witch. Okay? Suddenly, she knows how to use a magic wand, because apparently all you need to know to make this fucking thing work is the words bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. You know, you I know actually can't
2: remember. Did the fairy godmother use those magical words anywhere around them? Because I'm, I, I, re, I, I don't remember Lady Tremaine ever picking up on the magic words.
0: She does, not Anastasia does. Anastasia. Oh right. Yeah. When the, what happens is um, they go into the woods to have their yearly their their year celebration, and the fairy godmother is gussying up the forest. And but in doing so, she's using the magic words "bibbity bobbidi boo," and pointing the wand. So when Anastasia goes to prove that she has a magic wand, because initially Drizella is calling her crazy and you know and saying, "Oh, mom, she's she's lost her mind." And at the at first, Anastasia struggles with with the magic words, and then finally she says "bibbity bobbidi boo," and she she, she she changes Lucifer into into half a duck or half a goose. It's pretty funny. Um, so
2: cruelty cool to animals math. is always hilarious.
0: Yeah. So the stepmother then takes the wand, immediately learns how to use it, and uh, and her first spell that she casts is to send all three of them back in time to the day of the shoe fitting. And she uh, locks Cinderella in the closet, in the closet, in the uh, in the attic. And this time by the time Cinderella is rescued by the mice, she's used the wand to uh, make the shoe fit on Anastasia's big-ass feet. At which point, they go off with the Grand Duke to the castle to marry the prince, and the mother turns to Cinderella and says, I don't give a shit what you do. Just don't go near the prince. In almost those exact same words, by the way. (laughs) I don't care where you go or what you do, stay away from the prince. Um, and here is where you, you, you know, you mentioned this before, Alexis, like where did Cinderella come to grow the spine from? You know, we talked about in the first movie that Cinderella doesn't, doesn't do anything to better her situation. This one is is almost an apology for that. And they really make Cinderella uh, go after it in this movie. She, you know, she, this time she's plotting, she's scheming, she's singularly trying to solve the problem She's not de- really, de- the mice are there to help her, but she's not dependent on the mice to fix the problem for her. Um, and it's an interesting story in the sense that what do you do when the magic's gone? How do you make this man fall in love with you all over again when this time the fairy godmother's not there to do it for you? And, and, and she has to be more than just a pretty face. It's a, so in, in that sense, this is actually a very fun movie, which, which plays on a lot of mo- modern motifs uh, on a classic tale. What were uh, what were some of your thoughts?
2: Asking me or Sean?
0: You.
2: Okay. Well, it's kind of funny because I actually saw Cinderella 3 before I saw Cinderella 2, just sort of the way it worked out, and I remember not liking it that much. But then I saw Cinderella 2, and I thought, I take back everything I ever said about Cinderella 3
1: because
2: <laughs> it is – phenomenally better. And again, it actually does explore the character without suddenly saying, you know, where the hell did this come from? You know, send her, you actually do get to see a more where this comes from. You can actually see now where Anastasia decides to go against Lady Tremaine and Drizella. It's, it's not her suddenly deciding to be good. It's her saying, you know, I was okay with us doing this and this, but you guys are kind of starting to cross a line here that I'm not okay with, that. and it is gradual. You know, she just doesn't come to the decision overnight. I, I love the discus- discussion she has with the king, we talked about how he, when he met his wife, and you know, it's like I touched her hand and I immediately knew. And you see it really does touch Anastasia. She's going, well, I'm not really deserving of that. And I really like that. But again, and even though Cinderella does try to take an active role, she is not the savior. The, you know, she She gets saved twice, first by the mice, who tell the prince, who actually does get more than one line. You know that you know it's like it's not Anastasia. It's Cinderella. It's Cinderella. And the second time, um, you know, she she's basically saved by Anastasia. You know that if Anastasia had played the part well enough, she could at the end she could have said, you know, no Cinder, this girl's crazy. Take her away and marry the prince. But Anastasia backs down. Says, you know what? I'm getting out of this shit. No, I'm I'm out. But again, even though she tries, she is still not the savior.
0: Well, nobody rescues her from the pumpkin she's she does that all that on her that's
2: own. that's true that's true. She does rescue herself from the pumpkin, but um she's with Jack <laughs> and Gus Gus again, so you know they do help. Well.
0: Now I got to do my own wrestling bit. That whole pumpkin scene reminded me of an of an episode from Raw where I expected Steve Austin to turn around and go, "I told you you were going straight to hell, Brett." Sean, anything?
3: No. All right, moving on.
0: No, Tommy,
3: he's still there? I was, I, I, oh, there he is. I was. laughing. I'm sorry. I had my I had my phone mute so you wouldn't have any background noise while was <laughs> hey, hey,
0: okay,
3: I was just talking. Okay of that.
0: Either that of the Undertaker turning and going where to Stephanie? Sorry, go on.
3: That was <laughs> that was actually the first one that I thought of because goddamn okay. that sequence! That sequence is some nightmare fuel right there. The way that's executed. Yeah. And that's Tim Burton's Cinderella. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's let us pray that never happens. Um,
2: We're already getting Dumbo. The cat's out of the bag. And.
3: Per- yeah, and you know what? He will find a way to let Johnny Depp play Cinderella. I guarantee it. Um, <laughs> well, Johnny Depp. No, I'm
2: pretty, pretty sure Johnny. I was gonna say I'm pretty sure with Dumbo, Johnny Depp's gonna voice the circus mouse.
0: Please oh, who's let going? Johnny Depp be all the. Please let Johnny Depp be the talking jo- the jive talking crows. That's what I need to see. Oh,
2: you know what? I would actually go see that for that. That would be awesome. <laughs>
0: I just want to see Johnny Depp as Keith Richards going,
2: I see the house fly. You <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, Disney, make it happen. We know you've bugged every cell phone in America. You We know you're listening to us. Make this happen.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. You don't see your, you're coming to this show. What you don't understand is that uh, Hollywood producers and interns listen to this show and have stolen yep. many of our ideas and put them into action.
3: Okay. Oh yeah, do you well, well? Hell, you remember when we did the uh, the Hellraiser review? We we had one we had one episode where um, we divided it up into a two parter. And Winfrey, feel free to chime in if I'm remembering the story incorrectly.
2: Um,
3: after we did the second episode, and I went off on one of my all time epic rants about how much I hated. Hellraiser revelations, and about how shameful it was that they ran Clive Barker off of reviving the franchise. Um, I believe it was about a week after that we were getting ready for our next for our next show that that they announced that uh, Dimension announced that Clive Barker was on board uh, to start penning a script and producing. A new Hellraiser movie, and Robert noted that right at the beginning of the show that it, that he truly believes that we summoned all the powers of angry movie fans um, to uh, to right this egregious egregious wrong. So yeah, we're joking about it right now, but 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 so help me, um, not not only are we now one day going to get Johnny Depp the giant Walking Crow. I can't believe those words just left my mouth. Um, but we're also probably going to get a swarthy-looking Johnny Depp wearing a powder-blue sequined off-the-shoulder gown and transparent footwear.
2: And, and if somebody four. once said, let say somebody once said you want Johnny Depp to play a pirate and personate Keith Richards," what the hell is wrong with you? So you know, if someone said it once. Someone's going to say that again.
0: Well, like I said before, Johnny Depp is in fact a pretty pretty princess, so I I wouldn't put it past Disney to shove him into a drag Cinderella outfit. But well,
3: um, and you, and you know what though, one thing we kind of got away from—you have to admit that whole pumpkin sequence is one of the better animated sections of the entire movie. Yeah, agreed.
0: It, it does harken back to some of the older uh, Disney films. You know, I, I think again of of Maleficent turning into the dragon, you know, as exactly. he said, you know, and I summoned all the powers of hell and it's, and it's a very, you know, or, you know, or nine on bald mountain from Fantasia. These are, these are all very uh, suspenseful um, scenes, you know, that, 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 that did definitely draw emotion out of the viewer, whether they be adult or child. So um, it was, it was, it was a remarkable scene, but um I want to I want to get some more uh, thoughts here. I think I think Alexis, you're right. You know Anastasia sort of has the hero's arc in this because Cinderella doesn't change at all. <laughs> Cinderella is out to re- is is just out there to sort of reclaim her lost potential life. But the one who has the uh-huh. hero's arc is Anastasia. Yeah, you know, she's she you know, and it isn't until she suddenly realizes that all of this is is bullshit, and that she wants someone to love her for who she is, and all they've really done is try to fool this guy into thinking she's Cinderella. That's all they've accomplished, and so that's inevitably why she turns on Drizilla and uh, and Lady Tremaine. Sean, um, any other thoughts about this third one? Um, you know, in terms of the storytelling and the characters and whatnot.
3: You know, unfortunately, it it has to kind of be evened out by a couple of things. The fact that first off, this looks light years, a absolute universes better in terms of animation quality than the second movie. Um, I like how much more expressive the faces are and how much less exaggerated a lot of them are, especially Cinderella's. Um, It's well voice acted. It's just that, unfortunately, the script has a little too much of a modern flavor to it in places and pacing and delivery that just takes you out of that whole escape to a land far, far away. Um, It it really does make it feel like a half-assed delivered stage play that I don't want to say it necessarily dates the movie, but it sort of takes away some of the wonder and, and majesty that could have been really left in it. Um, speaking of which, uh, we're also left to find out why we should really be glad that Prince barely spoke in the first movie. He's kind of an idiot. <laughs> he,
1: uh,
3: <laughs> he has to be corrected after saying it several times that her name is not in fact Cinderella. <laughs> well, but, as I said to you
0: off you know they are they are in fact not sexist with this movie. Not only is it more important for you to be pretty as a girl, it's also more important for you to be pretty as a boy, um, as he's not too bright, but boy, what a gymnast he is! You know they set that up. <laughs> they they set that up in the sword fight in early on in the movie, and in the end, did the pay. I mean, my God, we've talked about so many movies that had set up and then no payoff or whatever it was they were setting up. At least in this one, they got it right. They set him up. as a a ninja and a gymnast and the first part of the movie. And in the end, he uses those very same skills to somehow magically jump from a cliff onto a a, uh, ship and save Cinderella using all of his skills.
3: It just happens that he's also a bit of a moronic twat because, you know, after this lengthy song by the anthropomorphic Talking Mice, he just doesn't question any of it. <laughs> not really, he does not have a single moment where he's gone, Well, that's it. I'm clearly insane now. Um <laughs> a, eaten does, it's, bad. it's just it's just it's just a moment where he takes literally just about a beat to think about it and then just goes, she's legit. Um, yeah,
2: there's a point where he looks goes, Okay, clearly those mushrooms have gone bad.
0: I was like yeah. at what point um, in your life are, are you looking at down at any you know like if you're in your apartment in, in Kansas or in Arizona or myself here in Tampa and you know and something and you know and and a mouse or a cockroach or, or some something that starts to tell you a story like listen here's the problem with the here's the problem inherent in the system and you just go all right where where are you in your, where are you in your life that you're, that you're sitting down and having a conversation with something that should not be talking back to you, and you're just like, yes, you're making all kinds of sense talking Mouse, Without well, the I'll let you
2: say so I'll let you guys know when my my little My Little Pony brush will start answering my questions.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm still pretty sure that is one day going to happen by the end of. In fact, it's probably going to happen by the end of Lent for you.
1: Ha ha. Uh, all
3: right. She, um, she... Go ahead. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get the. Yeah, we'll we'll save that story for the overrun. Possibly. We are,
0: we, are, we are we are we are running down on time here. We've got about three minutes left of recording time, and then I'm going to go a little bit into over. Um, so, Sean, any uh, Sean, and then Alexis, anything left unsaid about this or any other movie? Um, just any kind of points that you wanted to bring up. Um, you know, as we do with, with all of these shows, you know, where, where I, I've kind of talked this through all three movies, and if I've missed anything, now's your opportunity. So, Burning Desires. Sean, hit it.
3: If you're looking for empty popcorn enchantment, quite frankly, this is one of the best movies you can go with. Songs are memorable, mostly looks good, well-voice acted throughout, but you're not going to find much in the way of story. Personally, if you got to watch A Disney Princess Tale... You can't really go wrong with Beauty and the Beast or The Princess and the Frog. Alexis, done. Oh,
2: <laughs> sorry, I, sorry, I was I was waiting for a cue there. Um, the 1950 Cinderella, despite the, oh the feminine outcrop.
0: Be, be modern, princess. Don't wait for don't wait for the men to tell you when to speak. Just take the bull by the hole horn. <laughs> <to speak. laughs>
2: Yeah, but sometimes I don't know which shot is finally shut up, so there you go. Now, the 1950s <laughs> Cinderella, you know, despite the feminine outcry, is for all intents and purposes harmless, it is visually beautiful, and it is a classic of Disney animation. There's a reason that the Walt Disney official castle is Cinderella's castle. It has really made, you know lasted throughout the ages, and I, I still do enjoy it, even if it isn't my favorite Disney movie. The sequels, they're just... They're just take or leave. The fact is that, again, Cinderella did not have enough of a character development to warrant two more movies about her. There are so many other characters who could, or sadly did, get direct to video sequels who actually had character development. Um, The sequels are harmless if you've got little girls who absolutely adore everything about Cinderella it's it, they're, they are harmless for the most part. There's really nothing wrong with little kids watching it, but adults, you're probably just going to be rolling your eyes, going, "Oh, dear God, give me something better than this."
0: Well, I want to sum things up by saying, by repeating what my daughter said: Why is Cinderella the best of the Disney princesses? Because she's pretty. <laughs> and <laughs> from the mind of a four-year-old. All right. Uh, I want to thank Alexis for, for joining us. I hope you'll. Uh, I hope the next time we tackle. An animated, uh, an animated series. You'll join us again. I hope you had a good time on the show today.
2: I did, and absolutely. I, I would love to be your Western animation uh, go-to girl.
0: Outstanding. All right. uh so this is part of the show where we get into plugs and the calendar and any other bric-a-brac uh, that happens to come up. Um, you, you know, I think the last time we regaled people of stories of my son potentially f fiving people uh, here, there, and uh, everywhere. So we'll see what happens here. But to start off with, Sean, what you got going on in the land of uh, in the land of Comer?
3: Uh, nothing much else. Uh, I'm going to be devoting the next couple of weeks to watching all the Crow sequels and the TV series. So that's pretty much about all I've got time for, and a couple other podcast ideas that I uh, that I want to work on for the Rod Broadcasting Network. Um, and by all means, we, we we welcome feedback because the ones that I'm really looking at are I think that we need either a good show about gaming, well, no, actually any of these three. We need a show either a show about gaming, um, a show about wrestling, or we just need a good general geek news podcast. And, and I would like to do one of those by one of those by the end of the year. So those are just things that I'm just kind of tossing around right now as ways that we as ways that we can expand our subject matter. Um, but otherwise, yeah, right now I'm just getting myself good and jazzed up to talk about one of the greatest movies of the 90s, and it's numerous lackluster sequels.
0: Well, that's my cue. All right, uh, so our next – Edition of the Long Road to Ruin will actually be Wednesday, April 1st. It will not be Thursday, April 2nd because I will be at NXT with my wife in Tampa. Um, Or as Chris Evans says on Casual Heroes, I will be at next. (laughs) However, um, just a couple of uh, points I want to talk about not only this show but also the summer blockbuster series. So the next version of the the next episode of the Long Road to Ruin is April 1st. Benjamin Cologne will be on the show. He does our title card art, and we will be looking at all four crow movies. Um, April third is when the new Fast and the Furious movie comes out. So uh there'll be a review of Fast uh, of Furious Seven uh nine o'clock on April Wednesday, April eighth. Um, now, April sixteenth is uh going to be our Dark Man podcast. Long Road to Ruin, that'll be Thursday, April 16th. We will be talking about all three Darkman movies. And then here's where things get a little weird. So we're taking off the week of uh, April 30th because Sean and I will both be seeing The Avengers, uh, and neither one of us will be available on Thursday, and Sean won't be available on Wednesday. So we are just taking that entire week off, Um, we're going to come, and then, now, the following week would be the week that we would be doing the Metal Hammer of Doom, but we're going to switch things up, and, um, little um, (laughs) does Robert Cooper know that, but we're going to switch things up, we're going to alternate the calendar to accommodate the Avengers review. So, uh, May 6th is the review for the Age of Ultron, May 7th, Thursday, May 7th, will be the Long Road to Ruin, and we'll be looking at the Iron Man trilogy. And then we'll continue to go every other week from that point on. Um, now I know I promised the, uh, the the four I think it's four four or five Tom Clancy movies, the Jack Ryan series. We will fit that back into the calendar um, at some other point. But you know we had to rearrange some things, and uh, one and in doing so, I had to bump Tom Clancy later on in the year because after Age of Ultron, I think, or after Iron Man. I think the next one we said we were going to do is Highlander. And and, and really over the course of the summer, as uh, Fury Road comes out and Jurassic Park and uh, some of these other movies, I, w- I want to be doing shows that, much like we did with Cinderella, are related to the movies that we're doing reviews for. So um, that that will be how we set up the calendar. So, so like I said, going forward, we've got um, The Crow on April 1st, then Dark Man on on April sixteenth, and then we don't have another show again until May seventh and we'll be looking at Iron Man. So I hope you all turn in for all of those. I'm excited about a lot of, a lot of the stuff that we're going to be doing this summer and uh throughout the rest of the year. With that, um, next week, Thursday, ten o'clock or whenever the hell Robert Cooper decides to call in when he's done transporting illegals over the border. Um, we will be reviewing the new enslaved album. So check that out. And if you are if you're interested in listening to me talk wrestling, head on over to the casualheroes.com, no longer dot net dot com. Don't bother subscribing to iTunes. It doesn't work. But you can <laughs> but you can listen to the podcast on the site and hear our, our, our uh talk about uh what's happening in the world of wrestling mostly in the WWE. So again for Alexis, was a wonderful uh, guest on the show, and we'll definitely have back uh, hopefully later on in the year. For my good buddy here, Sean Comer, this has been the Long Road to Ruin. Be well, be safe, and behave.
3: Hi. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be
0: daring do and stuff like you would never see. A movie. Yeah,
1: we're gonna be a movie, For us, happily We can watch it all develop. Get everybody. And me, we'll take the world and set it on its ear. Come on, join yeah. in.